you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. My name is Janine Garner and I am your host for today. And today I have as my guest the fabulous Michelle Sutherland. Now I'll be honest, I've known this woman for probably about eight years and it's been fabulous to actually watch Michelle's journey from being a high-flying corporate executive to the various highs and lows over those eight years to now absolutely kicking incredible goals that are all around creating a life that is fundamentally on her terms. And I can't wait to dig deep and find out what makes Michelle, Michelle. So you need to tune your ears in because Michelle is a Scottish-born, Australian-based social entrepreneur. She's incredibly positive, incredibly passionate, and most of all, committed to living life fully. So as I said, tune your ears in because that Scottish accent is is there. She worked for seven years with uh, one of the world's leading tech companies, Hewlett Packard. And she started at Hewlett Packard as a graduate and even back then had a dream about coming to Australia. At the same time, she's built a phenomenal network marketing business with Arbonne alongside at the time that full-time job. But then um, she left, we'll, we'll cover off when, but she left pretty much retired from working corporately to work 100% on building the Arbon business and only at the end of 2018 did she reach the top level of the company as national vice president. She has a phenomenal story about her journey through there. In 2015, she graduated from Australia's Investable Entrepreneur Business Accelerator Program and while she was there, she co-founded a freelance sales business. The thing about Michelle is she is a massive believer in giving back. She's an active member of the Tree of Life group where she's traveled to Cambodia and Nepal to fundraise and give back. And it doesn't stop there. She's recently started a dating company called Bondi Dating Club. We'll definitely go into that. And this is not an online. This is actually about connecting people face to face because one thing that Michelle is passionate about is the human connection and the power that exists there. So welcome to our podcast, Michelle. It's wonderful to have you online. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much. That was the most amazing introduction ever. Well, you are amazing. And I've got every time I hear you speak, I instantly just have to say, Princess Fiona. It's it <laughs> like that movie. What's, what's it? Um, Shrek. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. Everyone has to tune in to the app. Yeah, you have to tune your ears in. You have to tune your ears in. So, Michelle, one thing I didn't share, but I'm going to share, it's your birthday today. Yes, I am 34. 34. Happy, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. I couldn't think of a better place to be than on this podcast. First thing in the morning. What I love about you, Michelle, on your birthday, tell us what you do. Tell us about the the routine, the habit that you have for your birthday every year. 
So what I decided a few years ago for my birthday was that I would always do something that I've never done before. So um, last year I went paragliding off a cliff in Wollongong. Um, today I'm about to go on um, a sort of a crazy wild ropes adventure in Taronga Zoo, go on a jet boat and give out free hugs down at Circular Key. So um, that was all thanks to my Facebook family giving me some suggestions and that's what I've decided to do it and then just finish it off with a lovely barbecue down at Tamarama Beach which is right next door to me so um, yeah I always love to do one thing at least that I've never done before I've never seen I've never experienced because you know that to me is you know seeing a different part of the world or a different experience that I wouldn't normally so there we go that's my tradition. And please tell me you're going to share it on some social platform, so particularly the free hugs. <laughs> of course. I might even Facebook Live and Instagram Instagram Live the free hugs to see how long it takes for someone to give me a hug. And this is going to be an amazing experiment to see what happens. I, love it. I do remember walking through Circular Key probably about two years ago, and there's a wonderful older guy with the free hug sign. And I was with my mum at the time, and she just ran over instantly. She went, I'll give you a free hug. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Oh, yeah. So let's get into it because there is so much that I know we can talk about. But, um, Let's go right to the, back to the beginning, Michelle. So you're obviously not from Australia. No. You were born in Scotland. Talk yeah. to me about uh, Michelle as a child and growing up in Scotland and what life was all about and therefore sort of where it all started because I think particularly for you, your, your passion, your resilience, your determination, that seed was planted in those early days. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, was born in a little town called Paisley, just outside of Glasgow. And, you know, life was pretty simple there. I, you know, Paisley, for those of you that do know Scotland, every time I say I'm from Paisley to another Scottish person, they say, oh, you must be crazy. Um, because it's not known as the most affluent, more, more, more amazing towns in Scotland. So it was a wee bit rough and ready. Um, but actually what it gave me was this beautiful balance between knowing what goes on in the real world and the things that can happen with people and, you know, when life can be quite tough versus um, the other spectrum, which is actually, you know, having amazing family and friends around me that really encouraged me to believe in my dreams. So I had this amazing balance between both sort of spectrums and, and I believe that's why I'm so sort of grounded in you know, everything that I do now, because I do realise, you know, how tough life can be, but I also know how amazing it can be at the same time. And so I think one of the, the biggest things that really impact me, impacted me early on was when I was 15 years old, I was introduced to personal development. I was actually introduced um, by my aunt, Anne-Marie, who is an amazing woman and mentor and inspiration to me. She was going through a, a tough part of her life and she started to, you know, really uncover um, how powerful the mind can be, how powerful personal development could be. And she introduced me to my first ever book um, that I read called The Secret by an Australian woman, um, Rhonda Brown. And so that book really completely put me on a path 
of believing and knowing that whatever I could think in my mind and whatever whatever it is I wanted in life and in business, I could absolutely have. So that was a bit of a pivotal moment. And, you know, that age of 15, there was a lot of things that happened. Like I read that book, I came to Sydney, Australia for the first time. And I knew in my heart, deep within my heart, that I was going to live and work in Sydney, Australia from the moment I stood at Sydney Harbour Bridge with the sun in my face and just the most amazing people and culture and vibe and energy I'd ever felt in my life. I knew that I was going to live here. And so that happened when I was 15. And then after that, it just sort of spiraled because once I was on that path of knowing how powerful my mind could be, um, I just started to attract the most amazing things into my life. And, and you know, so life is pretty simple. I pretty much, um, my mum was a single mum. So me and my brother uh, pretty much, um, she was out working three jobs um, each day. And I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. So they were amazing and they definitely influenced me. And I pretty much had, you know, the upbringing that my mum and my aunts had. You know, I had that sort of wiser, older generation, older generations around me. I always hung about with my aunts and uncles. And so I definitely was influenced by an older generation, um, which I'm super grateful for because it definitely gave me a different, you know, a different view in life, which was awesome. And then... Um, yeah, and then so I, I sort of grew up there, went to school, I danced. So I danced from the age of three to 23. Um, I became, you know, a dancing teacher. Just it started as a hobby, obviously, at three years old. Um, but I developed that into um, a qualification. Um, you know, I went to school, very traditional, um, ended up studying in the town I'm from, so in Paisley, business, IT and marketing, mainly because my uncle Tony said, IT is going to be the next big thing, so you better get in there. How <laughs> right was he? Yeah, and how right was he? He was in IT, and he said, Michelle, this is, you know, the way it's going to go. So you're doing an IT and marketing degree. So um, he said, I, I would definitely advise you stick with the IT element. And I was like, okay. Um, and I scraped into uni with a couple, um, literally scraped. I failed a couple of exams in school. So I, I got in eventually after a couple of close um, conversations. Um and then, yeah, I finished university and then landed my first job at Hewlett Packard in London at the age of like 23. Excellent. Now, before we talk about uh, your first corporate job, yeah. you talk often about um, the impact that your family has had on you. Yeah. I'm curious, let's start with your grandparents. What What's yeah. the one thing that they gave you, do you think? What's, what's when you think about them, the key lesson they taught you? Um, so if I think about my grandparents and so my grandpa, Grandpa John, yeah. he he was a, a great man of he was a very, very humble man, huge faith. He had he was um, you know, we were brought up Catholic, so he had massive amount of faith. And one thing that he used to I mean he was he, he was quiet, so he didn't say much. He almost like showed me what, what to do and how to be in life rather than talk. Um, and I would say actually two things he taught me was the first thing they used to always say was, um, if you don't have your faith, you've got nothing. And faith could mean anything for different people. And I think that's why he said faith, because, again, he embraced all different religions and cultures. So he just said, but if you don't have faith, you have nothing. And the second thing he would say would a lot would be, um, you know, Michelle, you've got to love everyone for their strengths and their weaknesses, because mm. we all have them. Um, and actually, there's probably three things around Grandpa John. The third thing he also taught me, which I so value now because I believe 
is actually what we call mindfulness these days. Um, he actually taught me and showed me how to sit in silence. And so we would sit in the local parks. He used to take me out. We used to go out every single day of the summer holidays. Um, and we used to sit in a park and literally just watch, as, as my grand grandpa would say, watch the world go by. And we would sit there for hours and hours. We'd watch the trees, the pond, and we'd just sit in silence. Well, apart from my grand, she loved a good chat, but my grandpa would actually sit in silence. And so he taught me silence and mindfulness. And that's what I appreciate now. I just actually didn't realise it at the time. Isn't it phenomenal? Like so wise um, and so relevant still. When you think about... Uh, the teachings that are currently taking place and all the reading on leadership yeah. and success, you know, it's all based on, as you said, whatever your definition of faith or belief yeah. is. And that yeah. could be faith in something else or faith in yourself. Yeah. I'm a massive believer. You know, one of my one of my personal values is fair without judgment, which essentially yeah. is around loving always, um, yeah. the good and the bad and, and the situation. And then that that mindfulness, I don't think any of us it's a great reminder, actually, of, of yeah. the importance of that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so he taught me that. And then Gran, who was a bit more feisty, Granny Betty, she was um, she always spoke her mind. And a couple of things that she used to always say to me was, Michelle, if you don't ask, you don't get. So any shop she was in, anything she was looking for, she didn't even bother to sort of look around. She's like, I'm just going to ask the shop assistant straight away. Like, she just didn't you know, muck around. Um, and she was, you know, she was definitely a comedian. She was very into laughter and joking. And, you know, she was always the life and soul of the party. She would always turn up to like family dinners with like these tiaras on that like a 15 year old would have on. She would turn up and it was all bright lights. And yeah, she always, she was always, you know, the life and soul of everything. So I definitely learned humor from um, my gran but she was also very fierce she was very independent and one thing that's actually coming to mind that she used to always say she said Michelle you always need to just keep a bit of money aside that no one knows about and just keep it aside from anyone she said she never know what's going to happen and it's funny because my grand and grandpa were married for 65 years and totally in love till the day my grand passed away but my grand was always like don't even tell your grandma and I'm like what (laughs) you always need to have a plan b I love it. Yeah, I love it. So she had this little stash of cash that she would uh, keep topping up that only I would know about, which was quite funny. Um, so yeah, she was very wise. She was um, she was also very again. She definitely um, yeah. She taught me basically the world. She used to say the world's crazy, Michelle, and you need to look after yourself. And so she was a big believer in taking care of yourself and um, looking after yourself. But she also just had massive amount of love. Like I remember every single day. So I basically went up to my granny grandpa's house every day after school for, you know, from a really young age up until even when I was at university, I was still going for my my dinner there. And um, she would just squeeze me so tight. And she said, Michelle, I love you so much. And you're my best pal. And I'll never forget those words, you know, it's in that moment. And, you know, at first, obviously I'm getting emotional thinking of this, but you know, of course, I was like, get off me, get off me, you know, being a teenager. But actually, all she did, despite me going screwing up my face, she would shower me with love and physically squeeze me every, every single day, every oh, single day after I left, you know. Um, and before we move on, we cannot go past Mum Liz. 
<laughs> so, so Liz, Liz makes an appearance in many of your social posts, always wearing her fluorescent yellow jacket, and you yeah. took her to Hawaii with you, didn't you? Yeah. Um, talk to me, like, what, what is, and your mum still lives in Paisley. Yeah, she's still in Paisley. Um, so, so what, what, I mean, she's in, I've met your mum a couple of times too. Yeah. Talk to me about what you've learned from her. So my mom, she's amazing, and we call her High Vis Liz because she likes an, she likes an aluminous yellow raincoat jumper top. So that's her new name now. And yeah, she definitely features in my social media a lot because she's absolutely hilarious. I think she gets that from my gran as well. Um, yeah, my mom, she's obviously she's she was a single mom, and um, you know I think when my mom and dad split up, I was three months old. My brother was five. And, and she made a decision that the life that was, you know, going on then was not the life she wanted for um, myself and my brother. So she went out um, to work. And, you know, what she taught me again, it was through action, very much the way my grandpa was. Like, she went out from, I mean, I think we used to get up, at, she'd get me in my bed at like 4 a.m. So we'd get out at 4 a.m. She'd literally just throw me into the car and then we go round the corner and she would drop me off at my gran and grandpa's. I'd actually go back to sleep before going to school. Mm. Um, but she would go out and she was out from, you know, that 4 a.m. And she wouldn't get back till like 8 p.m. at night. And she literally just grafted and worked and worked because her reason was to give my brother and I everything that we needed. And so she didn't really have any other choice, but she loved it. She, um, you know, it was tough. Like I saw... Um, she was in the hospitality industry for a number of years and that's a very stressful industry but she was very very good at what she did and um, you know she just she just taught me how to work hard have persistence and you know even have dreams like she had this one dream for my brother and I that she always wanted to take us to Florida mm. um, to Walt Disney World and even just like that connection like Walt Disney absolutely the connection to dreams right and I'd love to go back there one day I've actually not been since that time but she had this dream to pay for us to go and um, which was obviously back then it was a lot of money I think I was my brother was about 17 18 so I must have been about 15 again something around that age of 15 um and we went to Florida and that was her absolute ambition and she worked towards that for years and years to get the money together um, to take us so she, she she's shown me determination she's shown me how to follow your dreams she's shown me determination persistence resiliency um, and just a hard work ethic like you know if you want things in this world you actually need to get to work um, and I say that often with people in my team as well like network marketing and even in HP like you know I love work like I love doing work because the rewards are so great and um, not only from a personal and mental point of view obviously there's recognition that comes with it but just the absolute knowing that you set out on a on a path because you wanted something you wanted to achieve something for yourself and others and you just got through every single challenge that was in your way to get there um I think is really powerful so yeah my mum taught me um all of those things and how to keep it real she's mm. very much keeping it real every time I'm with her she keeps me grounded yeah. Um, which I think is really important as you get, you know, as, you know, inverted commas successful, whatever that means to you, as you, you know, you achieve more in life, it's easy to get carried away. But um, she definitely keeps me grounded and, you know, and keep those values strong. We had very strong values as well. Mm. So you, um, you come from an awesome awesomely strong family in terms of the the lessons that they they've taught you and I love listening to your 
stories about your family. Um, but I'm imagining as a teenager, you um, were doing quite a lot of normal teenage things. As you said, you went to uni, you then went into Hewlett yeah. Packard. Uh, you worked in the UK and then eventually you came here. What, yeah. what in your mind is one of those key watershed moments that you think helped you or got you to where you're at today? What is the thing that you think about, wow, that was, that was a life-changing thing for me? Hello. Hello. Oh, you're back. Sorry, oh. just got out there. So, oh, did you hear the question, or do you need no, to? No, just repeat it again. Just the last. Yeah. So, time. so obviously, um, you. I'm imagining as a teenager, you you did to some extent what society expected of studying, going to uni, starting a job. Yeah. Um, and your life now is is not normal in terms of you're not following the conformity of life. We'll come on to that mm. next. Yeah. But from your perspective, what what do you think is the key watershed moment that that actually changed? The course of your life that got you to where you're at today? Um, I would say definitely it was when I, so I was in Hewlett Packard, I was on the graduate program, I was pretty much, a, I think a year, just over a year and a half into that program, I was loving life, I was living in London, I had awesome opportunities, awesome mentors, and really found something I loved in HP, which was change management, and, and I loved um you know, what I was doing there. Um, and so every, everything was cool. And I wasn't actually looking for anything else. But what happened was, that was it was in June 2009, my friend from Scotland called me up and said, listen, I've started this awesome new business. It's a network marketing. It's called Arbonne. I want to do this with you. I want, to, want you to take a look. And for me, obviously, because I wasn't looking and I didn't really know, I wasn't really sure. I, I didn't really know anything about network marketing apart from the odds of, um, story from maybe my mom or my aunts or something but not it doesn't really resonate with me I was in IT this was in health and wellness I don't really know anything about health and wellness back then um, but she said I just want you to take a look and because of all the personal development I had done up until that point I, I recognized that um, you know when things come along your path they come along your path for a reason and it's up to you to really research it and make an informed decision about it and so when that happened um the one thing that I did have in the back of my mind was that dream that was still sort of you know just always in the back of my mind every single day I want to live and work in Sydney Australia I want to live in Australia I want to live in Australia and I'm gonna and I knew I was always gonna live there and um, and sometimes the thing you're doing you think is going to get you there but actually it can be something completely different that gets gets you to where you want to be and so I sort of thought, oh, yeah, maybe HP, they're a global company. They could get me to Australia. But at that time, with the global financial crisis, it was a bit tricky. And I was, you know, very much a, a new a newbie in the corporate world. So to get transferred was a bit of a long shot um, at that time. And so when Meg and Arbonne came around, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a look at this and just see how it goes. And I took a look at it and I instantly knew. It was almost like as soon as I found, like, I, I can't even remember the information that was shared. It was more like a feeling. It's like that, that absolute gut instinct. Everything in my gut was saying, Michelle, you have to do this. Um, and there was a couple of reasons for that. One, I knew that Arbonne had just launched in Australia. So that was probably the main reason. I was like, 
do you know what? If they're talking about Australia, there's something in this. There's something in it connected to where I want to be. Um, but when I looked at it from a purely practical point of view, again, going back to my childhood, big dreams, but practicalities um, and keeping it real, I realised that one, this was going to give me a plan B, like my grand said. It was going to give me some additional money. Two, it was going to allow me to build an online business, which working in IT I knew was a, a good thing. Health and wellness, I didn't really know that much about, but I knew that there was a sort of movement towards, you know, health and well-being um, and people were starting to talk about it a lot more and a lot more things were popping up in that industry. Um, and just the fact that I could work with people a lot, be surrounded by positive people and continue personal development because that's all that's all network marketing is. And and so I was just like, this is, it does sound a bit too good to be true, but you know what? I just need to give it a go. And so like literally by the time I found out about it to the time I signed up, it was a week. I think it was less than a week. I'd already made the decision, but I just double checked with people that were smarter than me and in places where I wanted to be. And that person was really my Uncle Tony, who's Anne Anne-Marie's uh, husband. Um, and I just said to Uncle Tony, can you take a look at this and tell me what you think? And he, um, you know, there, there may have been a little, maybe a tiny bit of doubt in my mind or maybe lack of belief if I could do it. But I just knew that it was pulling me. And so that's why I got his advice. And I just said to him, tell me what you think. And he just said, Michelle, you're an absolute idiot if you don't do this. And he said, it's just in the right industry. It's the right time. It's, you know, it's a growing business and you can absolutely do this. You just need to find a couple other people like you that are positive, driven, well, like wanting more in life um, and, you know, up for the challenge. And I said, well, I'm sure I can find those people. And he said, yeah, I'm sure you can as well. And he said, it's not a big decision. You either, you know, give it a go. It changes your life or you end up with a bunch of products and you carry on. He said, but you're not, going to not carry on in your career with HP that's still going to happen and so I'll never forget that moment because it was interesting because so many people around me so friends at that time colleagues at that time some family members you know they were really like what are you doing you've got this amazing job in London you're with a big global company like why are you doing this as well and I went I just have to like I absolutely just have to do this Mm. And and it pretty much has changed your life. So you had a very successful, solid career in Hewlett-Packard and, um, you know, we could absolutely have a conversation about your time there, but it brought you to Australia. And then at the age, what age was it when you left corporate? So I left my corporate job before uh, before I turned thirty. It was yeah. a couple of months before I turned thirty. Yeah. That's right. So so essentially, you had worked so hard to build your Arbon business at the age of thirty. You made the decision that um, you were going to pursue it full time. Now, there's a couple of things in there. One, at the age of essentially retiring from corporate life. And a, a successful career that you had a, a ahead of you takes a lot of guts. And secondly, moving into an industry that still had and probably in some areas still has the stigma attached to it. So how did you make that final decision to move? Um, a couple of things happened um, at that time. So one, the, the level of income that I was earning with Arbonne had overtaken um, my salary at HP. So purely from a tax and <laughs> financial point of view, I remember sitting down with um, Mel Brown, actually, thanks to your introduction. Thank you, Janine. I'll never forget the moment sitting down with Mel Brown, Melissa Brown, who's the, just the, the best person in finance to speak to ever. 
Um, and she said to me, Michelle, you do realise you're going to have to leave your job. And I remember looking at her going, what? And I knew that I'd sort of set out in that intention, but for someone to sit down and say, yeah, this is now your reality, I remember thinking, God, so purely from, again, a practical point of view for tax reasons, it, it didn't make sense for me to be working a 50, 60 hour a week and, you know, working, you know, 70, 10 hours a week on our one, but then getting double income and getting taxed on it. So there was that conversation. Um, Another thing that happened that wasn't so great was actually in the last six months of my career in HP, I, I was being bullied. Mm. Um, for the first, like really, I would say for the very first time ever, like I had never experienced anything like it in seven years in HP. I was very fortunate and um, I, I very much had very good experiences. And so as that was happening, um, I sort of was like, you know what, like I don't actually need to do this anymore I don't actually need to put up this behavior and you know I went down the path of doing all the right things like going through going to HR speaking to them you know making a complaint going through the process and um but what I realized and I remember the point was when that individual was kept on by the company basically because she knew too much about certain things um, and she maneuvered it in such a way that she was she had to stay a part of the company and they made the decision to keep her despite the fact that her bullying behavior had affected over 20 people and I remember being quite shocked about that and and at that point I remember writing to the managing director and saying I wrote this letter I'd love to actually dig it out now I'll need to find it to see what I wrote but it was so empowering because I remember just saying you know what I've had such an amazing time here I've had the best seven years um of my life and my career but you're not playing to my values anymore. Mm. And that means I'm going to leave. Mm. And um, it was actually amazing to be in that position to just say, you know what, you're not playing to my values anymore and that's not going to work with me. And I don't want to be surrounded by people like that. And I definitely don't want to be work and paid by someone like that. And so despite them trying to keep me, offered me more money, I said, I think you've missed the point. <laughs> I think you've definitely missed the point. Um, they tried a few things before I left and you know I could easily have seen me even I, I could have actually transferred to the US I think that would have been my na- next natural step was to work in Silicon Valley I really that was that and that's where um, HP was based and I really was attracted by that but to be honest values speak much louder to me than um, anything else and so yeah it was a very empowering thing so with that happening the, the sort of income in Arbonne rising um, and just this opportunity to just go for it mm. and just take Arbonne to the next level because that wasn't even the top level of the company. I mean, that was just, you know, I just replaced my salary. So effectively, I had to do a lot more work. But, um, you know, I was up for the challenge. So I just think with those things happening at the same time, it just allowed me to go for it. Yeah, let's just touch on that that values piece. Um, yeah. So I've got two. Um, I'm imagining there are uh, many people listening in on this podcast that are hearing that story. They're even maybe in the same situation mm. and don't necessarily uh, have the plan B yet in yeah. place in yeah. terms of replacing income. What yeah. advice from having gone through that would you share with people about how important it is to actually live by your values and have you got any tips for people who may not have the plan b yet of what they can do to make sure that that um they're getting their own life back on track 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the first thing is, I think you really need to understand what your values are, truly what your values are, because sometimes because we've grown up, I'm a, I'm a big believer in we've actually been conditioned and brought up to be employees. Mm-hmm. From the minute we go into school, the way we're educated, we're taught like, you know, this is your lunch break. This is what you're going to do next. This is the subject you're going to study. You know, of course, as you get to university, there's some sort of, you know, decision that you can make. But even when you get into the workplace, you're pretty much told what to do. So what can happen is you sometimes start to live by other people's values rather than yourself, your own values. So the first thing I would say is spend that time to really understand what your values are. And I believe we all have them, but they might have just faded away as such. You've started living, you know, outside of those values just because you want to fit in. Um, so I would do an exercise to really think what are your values so for me it's about being open honest have integrity work hard be positive be passionate and live life full out you know those are the sort of values that are you know that I've um, got and then so work out what that is and then um, what you want to do um, if you're in that situation where you feel as if your values um, are you know, are not being met or you're not living by your values is then you need to really have a conversation with someone you trust. And so I would ideally someone inside of the workplace and then someone outside of the workplace, because it's always good to have that both views. And what you want to do is start to talk through like, is this really happening? Because for me, when I was getting bullied, like I sort of thought, am I imagining this? Am I imagining this behavior because it was so extreme? And, and because of bullies if they're very very clever you've got some just silly bullies but then you've got bullies that are actually very very clever which I think is dangerous so when they're like that you question yourself and you're like oh maybe I'm just imagining this or exaggerating this so you do want to document everything so document everything that's happening like almost like journaling the moment that you you start to feel that uneasiness Um, and the other thing is watch the, the reactions in your body so one of the things that started happening to me was I um, started to, on the way to work, it was about a 30-minute drive, I would have to pull over and go to the toilet like twice before I even got to the office. And so I sort of thought, oh, this is a bit strange, but I just, because it became a bit of a pattern, I just thought, oh, maybe that's just, you know, my body's changing, whatever. And I never really fully got the connection. Now I know what the connection was. It was because I was going into that workplace feeling anxious and going into a place where I was going to be, you know, my values were going to be um, not met or challenged. And then I was going to have someone really not treat me in the right way. So pay attention to the things that are happening in your body because your body tells you everything. And your gut is absolutely connected to your mental, you know, your, your mind. And so all of those things that are going on in your mind will start to appear in your body. So just be aware of that. And so that's why it's good to document everything have someone internally that you trust. I did actually have a boss, a manager that was amazing, that fully understood the situation and understood what the impact was. And he was absolutely supporting me to get the right outcome. So I could talk with him, I trusted him. Um, And then outside of that, I just made sure that I had someone, whether that was my partner or For you, it might be your partner, it might be a really good friend, but to talk things through so that they could sort of, you know, give you that sort of common sense point of view, or even just simply to listen without judgment. I think that's a big thing for you to get it out, because if you can vocalise it, you're not keeping it inside. And again, that can affect your body. Um, so, and then you just actually have to go down the route of formally having, like having the courage 
to formally go down the path of reporting them and doing the formal thing. You know, I'm not going to say it's always going to work. In my case, it didn't work or, you know, the outcome. Well, it did work. It worked out for me because then I was able to leave and do my thing. But sometimes the outcome might not be the outcome you think at that time. But you do need to be brave enough and have courage to go down the path of reporting that behaviour and staying true to your values and really being factual and really sharing everything that you've been documenting. And just make sure you have that evidence to back you up because that's just how these investigations work. You do need the evidence and you do need to show people what's been happening. Um, and then ideally just keeping yourself right, you know, copying people in emails, making sure you're not on your own with that person making sure that you know you've you've you know you've got someone else in the workplace that has your back um and so i would say yeah that would be and of course there's programs and most companies nowadays like employee assist programs i would definitely utilize that um there's you know obviously externally there's um support that you can get as well but the main thing is you know you're not alone and you do need to ask for help because if you don't that's when things just start to fester and it really can affect you. And then, you know, you're not in a place to really take it on. Um, and you do want to be in a place to take it on because, you know, we can't go on in a world where, you know, people are allowed to do that. So that would probably be my best tips in terms of how to handle it. I love it. And that whole commentary around you're not alone. Um, I'm writing a piece at the moment, which is talks to that exact piece that says actually when you ask for help it makes you stronger so now as we sort of get close to the end I'm really curious what are some of your daily habits that help you be your best that you've probably adopted over because I've seen a a big change in how you operate what are some of those daily habits that you have or routines or rituals whatever you want to call them Mm. and ensure that you're personally um, match fit your mojo is at the the best it can be so that you're serving your clients in the best way possible and yourself yeah and so what I've implemented really in the last two years I've absolutely transformed my health um, and my daily habits so there is a book that I read called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod and it's an amazing book um, because what I started to notice and I think it's really important that you notice things and pay attention I started to look at the world's leading entrepreneurs and business owners or even just the everyday person I really respected and when they work they just got so much done and I started to look at well what is it they were doing and when you look at all of these people sometimes they call them the 5am club some people are the 4am club but essentially it's your medical morning it's how do you focus on you to start the day right so that you can take on everything that you need to take on um, and have the energy to be able to do all the things you want to do because energy energy to me is everything like if you've not got your health you've got nothing that's what my gran used to say you know health is wealth but if if you've not and health is very connected to energy so if you've not got the right health you're not going to have the right energy to do um you know do all the things and so what I changed was that I started to get up at 5 45 every morning and so what I do is I now have a routine where I got up I don't even look at my phone I get up, I go to the gym. That's my first thing. I do a gym session. Um, I then have my green smoothie. So this is a thing I picked up from Tony Robbins two years ago. In fact, a lot of the things I picked up from going to his event, um, Unleash the Power Within. Um, and he says, you know, you've got to start your day off with greens because that's what kickstarts everything. And greens, if you look at the animal kingdom, you know, the most powerful animal in the kingdom is a gorilla. And all they, all they have is greens. Like that's all they feed off of. So you've got to make sure you do that. So I have my green smoothie. 
I then do um, some affirmations. I do a little bit of meditation. And sometimes it's just as simple as having, you know, a cup of hot water with lemon and ginger detox tea. And I just have that and sit and dream and daydream and just be, you know, what my grandpa taught me, just that being and just being still. Um, And so for me, that morning routine has absolutely transformed how I go about the rest of my day because what happens is nothing can impact your inner mind and your soul and your body so if you just spend that hour hour and a half setting yourself up for the day whatever comes your way because the reality is shit's always going to hit the fan right stuff's always going to happen so it means when all that thing all those things come to you you are going to be able to work through it because you've set your mind up to deal with anything um, and you know another thing is just to listen to something really inspiring like a podcast like this what do you mean soon this is what I love when people do podcasts because something listening to something like this in the morning can completely change how you're going to set off on the right day and versus when you sleep in late you know you sleep until the alarm wakes you up it's like eight you know this is what I used to do before be 8 a.m I'd lie in bed with a cup of tea I'd literally have a cup of tea for breakfast which is not ideal um, and then I'd be on social media. I'd be taking on all the energy of other people's stuff on social media. I did finally get out of bed, maybe go to the gym, maybe not, but then log into my laptop and then just, you know, sort of roly poly my way into the day rather than sprinting into the day. So that's been a daily habit that I've changed. Um, the other thing is um, really around making sure that I'm feeding my body with the right thing. So um, I pretty much gave up alcohol two years ago. In fact, inspired by Janine um, and inspired by another entrepreneur, Creole Price, who Janine introduced me to. There you go. Um, the Power of Connections. And I watched the both of them and I saw that they'd given up alcohol for a year. And I was really curious. I was like, why are these people giving up alcohol? And when I simply asked, they just said, we've got a lot to do this year mm-hmm. and we need to get it done. And I was like, wow, like I've got a lot to do in my business. I wonder how that would change my life and my business and that year so it was 2017 I really wanted to be the healthiest I could possibly be and so that was one of the major decisions I made and it is it has actually been the biggest thing and all I can say is I was actually recently at Florence in the machine and um, the weekend there and she was actually talking about how she used to drink and you know do a bit of drugs and whatever and she said you know growing up and making these decisions to be healthier and be better she said it's not boring it's just different. And so a lot of people actually can sometimes see me in the decision that I've made around no alcohol being boring. But actually, to me, it's just different. And what it allows me to do is wake up every single day with crystal clear clarity, with energy, with passion, with that get up and go, like none of that fuzziness, none of that doubt, none of that fear, and just get up and go and just live every single day. Because that is what life is about. We never know what's going to happen next. And I just have this massive energy inside of me that wants to live every single day. And that is why I've probably achieved more in the last two years than I have in the last 10 is because I've made the decision to put the right things into my body. So alcohol was the next, there was a major thing. Then it was around food. So really cutting out wheat, gluten, dairy, sugar, you know, not to say I don't have any of those things now and then, but I did through Arbonne, we do this program where we cut it out for a month. Um, and we feed ourselves with really good meals and really good nutrition. And that for me was a Kickstarter. And then I pretty much apply that 80-20. Um, and I do, you know, let loose and enjoy myself. You know, have a little ice cream and a little few things here and there because that's just life and living and enjoying yourself. But the majority of the time, 
I'm putting the right food into my body. So again, that gives me the energy and doesn't make me feel sluggish throughout the day. I just can keep on going. So what happened was before when I was drinking the night before or, and it can simply just be at one or two drinks or, you know, having that pasta dish or having that panini instead of a salad, what would happen would be, I would go up late and then not really do anything at night. I'd, you know, I'd be out of the game by 9 p.m. When I made these changes, I'd be up at like 5.45 and I'd still be going at like midnight and I could keep on going. But obviously sleep is a big thing as well. So I'm passionate about sleep. But it's that extra. What I noticed was that extra 1%, 1% to 2% at the end of the day, I would just send that email. I would just reach out to another person. I would, you know, give that one person a call. It's that extra 1-2% at the end of the day that you've got the energy to give that you just move forward. And so that builds up every single day. So there's a book called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And that's what he talks about. It's about the little tiny things you do every single day. So it's not about huge leaps forward. It's about what is the one, two percent more that you can do every day to move you forward. And then that accumulates over time. And that's when you get massive results. And so people see the big, you know, promotion or the big hurrah at the end of the year or end of two years or three years, but actually you've been building that up for two years. So those are the things that have absolutely transformed daily habits and health over the last two years. Michelle, we are going to have to wrap up. We could so <laughs> keep talking. Um, how can people find you? Where's the best way? Because the one thing that I will say about Michelle, we haven't had time to cover. We're going to have to get her back on the podcast, but she has absolutely created life on her terms. Mm. Uh, she has built her album business now to reach that top level of the company at the age of 34. She's national vice president. On top of that, she pretty much, I wouldn't say, I reckon every single day is different in your world. Throughout yeah. You have a massive learning personal development mindset you founded the Bondi Dating Club you give back and you spend your whole life pretty much encouraging everyone around you to dream bigger to be more you pretty much epitomize the work that I'm doing which is around helping people be the brilliant version of themselves that they want to be and on top of that you have lots of fun so I'm imagining there's quite a few people that are curious about finding out how they can tap into a bit more of Michelle how do they find you so you can find me thank you so much Janine I really appreciate it and I'm so grateful to be on here um thank you you can find me on Michelle Sutherland simply on Facebook I'm on Instagram which is a new Facebook these days which is Mish M-I-S-H underscore Mish 85 and of course, good old fashioned email. I'm always <laughs> on that as well. So Michelle at bamboo, B-A-M-B-O-O, global.com.au. I love that good old fashioned email. <laughs> so to, to wrap up our conversation, um, the key things that I want to take out of it and just recap on for our listeners, those of you listening, is the power of dreaming. Um, one of the things Michelle talked about and I know she does, is this power of dreaming about more, of pushing your thinking further of what it is that you want in your life. Um, you have absolute control over your life if you choose to take that responsibility on board. And if you can dream bigger and then put the action in place. Yeah, absolutely. No it's all just about yeah, the second thing that you talked a lot about is living by your values. And I know from the work that I do in organizations, 
that there are a large number of people that are currently existing at work and not necessarily living by their values. And um, you gave some great tips around doing some work on what your values are versus living by somebody else's Mm -hmm. and getting really curious and in touch with how your body's responding, which I think is really, really powerful. Uh, Miracle Morning, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I'm a 5.30, get up, head to gym. I had my green smoothie and uh, do a lot of those things. I do need to get more disciplined about the quiet time before I start the day. Um, And the only reason I get up that little bit earlier is because, like many of us, I've got kids that want breakfast and all those sorts of things. All the chaos kicks in. I just want to finish off with, you know, your grandpa and Grandma Betty and Hi-Viz Liz and their uh, wisdom that they shared with you. There were five key things that I pulled out that I think um, pretty much epitomize what all of us need to be doing as we start living our life on our terms, as we start unleashing our inner brilliance, as we start leading others better. And it's that having faith and self-belief, seeing good in people, um, loving them for their strengths and their weaknesses, and getting curious about what we can learn from each other. The importance of watching the world go by and sitting in silence to calm that busy mind. Mm. Um, The resilience and the get up and go um, from Grandma Betty and asking for stuff. And of course, Hi Biz Liz and her determination, her hard work and her hustle um, to not only achieve what was her dream, which was giving you you and your brother a better life, but also teaching you that uh, you can take control of the life that you want to live. So I I feel like I know grandpa, grandma. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast, Michelle. Keep being awesome and please keep inspiring everybody that you come into touch with and have a truly awesome birthday today. Thank you so much, Janine, and thank you so much for everything that you do. Personally, for me, you're a massive inspiration, an amazing mentor, and thank you for everything you do. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.